Welcome to the Late Set, guys. I just want to do something unorthodox. We never really do this, but I felt like today it's very important that we give you guys uh, an advisory or a warning uh, before we get to this show because we do talk about um, some sensitive topics. Uh, today our guest is an actual ICU nurse who is uh, living through this pandemic day to day. And so she doesn't hold back in her assessment of the situation. And, you know, now you know if you're squeamish and you, you don't do well with hearing uh, certain types of information, please listen to the next episode or the previous episodes. All right, catch y'all later. It's 3 a.m. The band just played its last song. And all that's left is an empty bar, two friends, and the truth. This podcast is all about the late night hang. Stick around for the late set, where you can be yourself without consequence. Today we have the one and only Miss Lynn on the late set. And she is a ICU nurse. And so we're going to get into the nitty gritty and see what it's really like out here. For y'all folks who don't want to wear a mask. For y'all folks who went to to uh, went to Thanksgiving, like everything was fine, coughing and breathing on your grandmother. We're going to really see what it is. And uh, yeah, so what's up, Lynn? Hello, hello. Hello, all right. Well, um, so I just said you're an ICU nurse. What what does that even really mean? I see most people hadn't even been to the ICU. Yeah, and most people don't want to go. I don't mind. I, I can understand. Um, the ICU at that point, that's an intensive care unit. So... At the ICU, typically the nurses have a ratio of two to one, two patients to one nurse. Three to one is pushing it. You know, during COVID, we've we've had to flex up to have four and five. And it's, it's more than a notion when you're in the ICU because it's it's intense. You're you're on life support a lot of times. You're um, you're intubated, which means you have the tube down your throat that's breathing for you. So our job is pretty much monitoring all those machines and we're monitoring the drugs that are keeping everything else functioning. Obviously, if you're intubated, then you're sedated. You know, we keep you under so that you don't fight the tube. You don't, you know, I don't think anybody wants a big, huge tube down the throat conscious. So we have to also monitor the drugs that keep your blood pressure where it needs to be, your heart rate where it needs to be. Um, just pretty much helping you to stay alive so that you can heal from whatever's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, at this time, it's COVID. So that's why our ratios are usually really small because we're monitoring so much and, and it's very, all that stuff is really viable. It's very easy to easily kind of make a mistake or, you know, to need to change something. So one or two patients, two is, is really a lot because if I'm changing something on another patient and another one's blood pressure drops, I got to go in there and change something else and be ready to code. And we are very hands-on and we are very, it's it's trauma. If somebody codes in the hospital, then they come to the ICU. It's like the last level of the board. King Cooper. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't didn't save the King Cooper. You come to King Cooper at ICU. Damn. So before before COVID, you were seeing all kinds of patients, but you would say now you're predominantly seeing COVID patients. Yeah, prior to COVID, um, I was doing I was doing an ICU level, but it was where I work at. Um, it's a level one trauma, so we have most level one trauma facilities. They're going to be level one because they have all the specialties. They're going they're going to do adults, children, women. And the, they have a critical care area where they do only critical care. And typically they're going to have all of them. The SI, which is surgical ICU, MI, which is medical ICU, CI, which is cardiac ICU, NI, which is neuro ICU. And they have a specialty. Every state, city is different. Um, where I was, our specialty was transplant. So that's where I was working prior to COVID. So, um, and it's, it's a specialty some have some places have burn centers as their specialty, but it, it puts you in the critical care because 
when you have major things like that, you're the same situation as in any ICU. You have to be assessed often. You have to be watched for small changes, and you're on very, very high potent drugs. Um, I dealt with chemo. So it was hematology, oncology, transplant. So it was very, it was critical for that level. So prior to that, I was seeing, I was giving chemo, watching people go through chemo, giving them a transplant, helping them get past that stage, you know, live or die, men, women, children, prior to COVID. So, you know what I just thought about? Because if you're an ICU nurse, then you're used to seeing, you're used to seeing death. That's like a normal thing for you. You know, it's a it's normal a thing. Tuesday. It is. So it's, it's, when we, it's a lot more normal than everyday nursing. Yeah. Yeah. So when we see on TV, nurses freaking out because people are dying, it must be on a, on a higher scale than normal. Am I? Oh, yeah. Or is, or, okay. No, no, the, the freak. And, and that is, that is the right mindset to have because it is. Yeah, you're used to seeing your patients die. That's true because you're, it's intense. You've gotten to the point where pretty much for in a nutshell, whatever we're doing, we're keeping you alive. So a lot of times it's, it's just time, you know, it's just time and what we're doing is not enough. That's the norm as far as us keeping you alive. You know, we're used to jumping in, doing cold, bloody, nasty, yucky. That's the norm. But COVID put a huge spin on that because as a nurse in general, you, you're used, you're, you're trained for like last minute situations. When somebody's coding and you hear the cold, I mean, you instinctively run in to do things, to CPR, you know, sit them, I mean, whatever you think you need to do, it's instinctive. So the first blow for, for ICU nurses or any nurse in general was we can't run in there. If something has happened, happening like major emergent and you're coding, I can't just run in there. That was my first blow. That was my mm-hmm. first probably emotional day was when I realized, you know, you're standing at the door like, wait, hope, don't, don't die. Like, let me put this on. Wait, got to put that on. Wait, got to put this on. Hey, so, so that was the first blow, I think, for us as nurses in general, as healthcare workers, is that we couldn't just run in there. Mm. I think that's also what contributed to a lot of the big, the huge wave of healthcare workers getting sick because it's instinctive to go in a room and help your patient. But a lot of things changed, you know, and, and a lot of things they didn't know in the beginning, you know, so a lot of people died for them to learn that, you know, or get or got sick for them to learn what we could and couldn't do. Yeah, that's a man, that's something I never thought about, you know, not being a healthcare professional. You can't I know that you gotta put PPP on, but I think us people out here who are not in your field, we think that you just have the PPP on all the time. But that's well, I that guess actually, it's not practical. That actually just started. Maybe, um, maybe like midway through, maybe a little bit after New York, they started requiring us to wear it the whole time. So for everybody listening, you don't hate masks, okay? There's no way you hate them more than I do. So <laughs> for twelve to thirteen hours, we sit there, and I and what y'all wear, what the general public wear, is is refreshing for me. No, we are double down. We we have on um, N95, and most of them mold to your face because they they seal off the air. So you have on N95, we have a regular mask like most people wear. On top of that, they want you to wear eyewear, um, be it glasses or face shield. And, I mean, I've worked at about five different hospitals now, so some require the bunny suits, um, the little white hazmat suits that we put on. I mean, it just depends on where you are. Certain locations require different things, but we have to wear that for 12 to 13 hours. Wow. You go take it off during break. You go take it off the potty. But for the most part, you are suited and booted for hours. So, like, how do you even come home after being, because you have kids. Like, how do you even feel safe coming home after seeing that all day COVID, COVID, COVID? Like, like, like the president said, COVID, COVID, COVID. <laughs> initially, <laughs> typically when I, when I initially started, um, that was my, that was my reason for not going to New York. Um, I had just had a baby. 
you know, we didn't know enough. I'm, you know, I'm the nerdy type. I'm like, nope, they don't know enough. I understand how a virus works, regardless of which virus it is. Coronavirus isn't new. COVID-19 is new, but it's a mutation of coronavirus, which has already been out. But that's what viruses do, they mutate. My thing was, we didn't know enough. Um, I've been nursing for some years, and I knew that it would be sick. Like, people would be sick, you know? And my thing with, with just not being really trust, trustful in how everything was being handled with the government, not not knowing what would be the situation, hearing about how the PPP was running out, that, that made me kind of say, hold on, let me just kind of wait and see. Which is why I started at a facility closer to my home. And I didn't bring the kids. They stayed with grandma. And I was even more diligent when I did see them on my off days, like my scrubs, when I when I came out of the hospital, my scrubs, I, I stayed in a hotel and I would go from the hotel then to see the kids because my parents were keeping, my parents were older. So it was like detox area, then go home. And I was still two hours from them or like an hour and a half. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't like working where I would go to work and come home. I couldn't have done that. I know people who did that. Some people set up rooms in their houses and just didn't see their families. Cause you know, a lot of physicians, they had to do, they had to work. So of course they just had to do it their way. Or most people got hotels and would like work their, work their days on and then, you know, go to the hotel, shower, clean up, go home. Man, it must, I can't even really, cause you know, I have a small baby and, and I, I just can't even imagine Cause you gotta do your job. If you don't do your job, the country dies. Yeah. Right. You know, they, and, and it's really just that simple. And people out here fucking off, not wearing hey, masks and stuff. It's so simple. It's so simple. It's just, that's it. That's it's, it's it's equivalent to, you know, the grocery store workers. We have to go. You know, trash has to be picked up. I mean, certain things just cannot. It, it's just you don't. You can't stag it out. You can't say. Well, 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 just like when all the stuff was going on with the PT and places didn't have them, we have a right to go to work and be safe. But we didn't have proper PPE. So we were stuck between a rock and a hard place. Do I not go to work? Do I tell my boss I'm not working because you're putting my life in danger? The CDC was changing the rules every day. That to me was political. That was so that people couldn't come back later and say, you know, maybe sue and say, hey, you didn't provide a safe workplace for me. Because that is, as a nurse or any healthcare professional, when you go to work at a facility, you have a right to go to work in a safe place. They are legally required to provide you with proper equipment. Absolutely. And places didn't have it. Mm-hmm. But do you not work? With people getting laid off and your family still has to eat, you still have bills, and you, do you just not work? So, you know, yeah. it, it was a tough decision, but you just try to do what you can do and, and keep yourself safe. Yeah. You know, it's annoying for me because people seem to be kind of careless. Or when people say this, I'm COVID fatigued. I I think that's coming from like the ultimate place of privilege. Not that we're not all tired of sitting in the house looking at our spouses and kids because we are. (laughs) (laughs) We love them, but goddamn, you know, but this idea. Yeah, this idea of being fatigued from COVID and you ain't did shit but sat on your couch and played PlayStation. I think that's some bullshit, personally, you know. <laughs> you know, I, I, I can I can attest to the the feeling of COVID fatigue. I'm fatigued. I, the, oh, my gosh, my therapist is going to be so paid when this is over. Like, <laughs> I mean, and I, I had to realize that for myself. I hope all healthcare people out there Please go talk to somebody. If you are working during this, please, it's okay. It's 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 it is almost idiotic not to. It's irresponsible because I mean, you know me. I'm pretty hardcore. I'm a thug, and I have gotten <laughs> so emotional during this whole pandemic. And I've worked. I've worked months straight. Like I've not seen my children. I've not seen my family. And I've gone into a place where I come in and I'm working one side and it's seven beds on the side I'm working and I come in the next night and it's seven new bodies, meaning wow. the other seven. They didn't they didn't discharge out healthy. They left wow. going the other way. Mm. So, I mean, 
from for weeks and weeks and months I've had to go into that. And I mean, you know, as a nurse, depending on the type of nurse that you are and why you why you are even in the healthcare field, you you have a special kind of connection with your patients. So <clears throat> before um I think a lot of things with COVID, a lot of people don't quite understand all the different ways it can affect you. You know, I've had many patients that were walking and talking to the ICU. They may have had some pre-existing conditions where they expected them to go bad, so they came straight to the ICU. But it's it's it hits you hard to start off with a patient like that, and two weeks later, they are they are not there. You know, so that's fatiguing. That <laughs> that is some deep. That's some deep stuff. You know, to know that they have a family. You're talking to these families because mind you now. For everybody out there, my mom is a nurse as well. She got COVID. I I didn't get any special treatment. Her boyfriend is a surgeon. He didn't get any special treatment. I still had to call the COVID line. You know, the hospitals are shut down. Sidebar, I love working with nobody there. I don't mean that as an evil thing, but it's, it's so nice without the public. But I understand you don't get to talk to your family. You don't get to see people. You don't get... You don't get to um, come in and see your family like you need to. You know, pretty much every hospital in the country, if you have a guest, it's it's under strict, you know, rules and regulations. Pregnant women, you can't have your husband. I mean, just a lot of stuff. So to be tired of sitting is a bit selfish. But I understand it because, I mean, I would be tired of sitting. My my sitting is a little different. I'm sitting watching your grandma, your granddad, your aunt, your uncle, and hoping that they make it through the night. But it's it's still it's still tiresome, you know. I don't discredit anybody feeling like they are over it because yeah. I'm over it. Yeah, but hopefully, absolutely. maybe we'll shed some light on some things and people can get better <laughs> about getting this under control. Yeah, I think you know it's interesting now because people are up. I'm in New York and you down in the South somewhere. So it, up here, because it's getting so cold, we're all going inside and people want to go to the bars and this and that. And, and you can feel that tension of like, all right, man, we, we, we lost our summer. We don't want to lose our winter. We hear that there's a vaccine on the horizon that's 90% effective. So right. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a party. I'm a wild out. I'm going to do whatever I want. And I'm going to just get the vaccine in, you know, January or February. And I'll be all right. It'll be all good. Right. Yeah. What, what, um, what, are you, what, are you, what are your thoughts on that? My First off, kudos to New York. Like, <laughs> I'm this is not this is not to be funny, but when it, when it first hit, I was like, "God, New York is gonna be horrible," because I mean, like you said, I'm from the South. I've been to New York. It's tight, you know. It's very densely populated in New York. Anything that that spread respiratory virus, you know, any type of virus, anything that's spread by close contact, places like that, oh, you just your heart goes out, you know. Because New York could have been so much worse than it was. Um, you know, kudos to y'all people getting on top of it and just really, really buckling down. Because, I mean, like I said, that was my reason for not. I just, I didn't see New York being able to get a handle on it as well as they did. Just because it's so densely populated. Um, which is the reason why people of color are, are more prone to the effects of it. Because we live in denser populations we stay with the family it's more of us in a house you know uh, more of us that travel together it's bigger family units the, my my response to that is this you know and it, it depends on what you what you know of your own history meaning your your background as far as your health your family health um, are you a healthy person are is everybody in your family a healthy person um, do you have any underlying factors, hypertension? You know, COVID wreaks havoc on certain people, which which not necessarily, let me just take COVID out the equation, a virus. Uh, a virus wants to live, it replicates, it, it um, mutates, and it's going to hit you where you are the weakest. Um, COVID has neurological effects. Most people who have a background with any psych issues or any mental health issues, a lot of times they get it. They have the neurological effects of it. Um, COVID can affect your clotting factors. So if you have hypertension, high cholesterol, things that would already kind of mess up your 
circulation, it's going to hit you there. You know, it's going to hit you where you're weakest so that it can continue to survive. So the, this, that decision needs to be based upon kind of like um, what you learn in school when you learn about how things are spread. You, you pick one person, how many people around you and how many people, are, you know, if you think you're healthy and your friend is healthy and their mom is healthy and their dad is healthy and their cousin is, healthy, you know, think about the people that you could potentially be around. Um, I buckle down real hard with my family as far as like vitamins and getting them healthy because my family isn't as healthy as my immediate family, you know, my outreach family. So I think it has to be a decision based on that. We're selfish. We're human. You know, we want to do what we want to do. But hey, you know, just because you are, think that you are, you're a healthy person, is your mom as healthy as you? Do you know everything your mom does? You know, is your dad as healthy as you? You know, just think about it in the sense, in the sense of, would you be willing to put the most unhealthiest family member at risk? Would you be willing to just go say, hey, I, I don't really care if you live or die. Um, I want to go have a drink. Or, you know, I want to hang out, you know. And if we you got rights. Right, Rocky. If he dies, he dies. You know, hey, <laughs> it depends on how you feel as a person. Um, me personally, I don't, I don't, Darian, I don't get behind the wear a mask, wear a mask, wear a mask narrative. I think that that a mask is a small portion of what needs to be done for this to get under under control. I don't ever hear get your immune system up. I mean, you know, I don't ever hear take care of yourselves. Let's do better. We're home. We have the internet. We have nothing. We have the best opportunity to get our bodies in the best position to be able to fight off COVID. Plenty of people have probably had COVID and didn't even know it. So they were able to fight it off. Children are able to fight it off. They're horrible, dirty little creatures and they're carriers. So most states where you see these hot in fluctuations of numbers, it's because their children are back in school and they catch stuff anyway. They're kids. They don't get sick, but they give it to grandma. That's who's picking them up, you know? So right. it's, it's more of a, I, I feel like we as a country are not pushing the, the common sense narrative of get healthy, you know? Mm-hmm. And the comparison I wanted to use when we first talked about this was, it's like the cold. The common cold is a virus. How many colds have you had in your lifetime? There, there's not a cure. <laughs> right. You know, there, there's not a cure for the common cold. There's a lot of stuff that you can take to decrease the symptoms or decrease the length of your cold, you know, to help with the stuffy nose and all that. But you're going to get that damn cold. Come on now. At, at least twice a year, you know, you know, we're from the South. You don't get that summer cold. Then you mm-hmm. might get it when the seasons change. But it's it's the same concept. The cold, the common cold is a virus. So the reason that you don't get as beat down and, and you know, die is because your immune system is healthy. Uh, an HIV patient can die from a cold, from pneumonia. Something that somebody else can fight off, they die. So it's, it's, if we knew the background of just kind of general health, and thought of it as not such this scary COVID-19. Yeah, it is scary. And, I, and you don't know how it's going to affect you. You don't know what it's going to leave you with. But neither do you with a cold or with the flu or with any type of viral infection that mutates your cells in, in, in your body and changes things. But that's why you try to, you know, you, you go get just some emergency when it's cold season, you know. It's kind of the same concept. I feel like that narrative is not being pushed enough. Yes, you need a mask, but you COVID is transmitted through respiratory droplets, which means it has to be. It's, it's not sexual. It's not in any other body fluid, but your mouth and nose. So, are we five? Are we putting our mouth and nose on everything that we touch? You know, what I'm saying it's almost kind of one of those like to me, it's so simple, but it has become such a hard concept to grasp. And some people don't even show signs and symptoms. I, I've had COVID twice since I've been working. Wow. Didn't even know it. Didn't even know it. This this second go around, um, for your listeners, I'm currently pregnant. Didn't know I was pregnant at the time, but also didn't know I had gotten COVID again. 
because I've only been working COVID since it started. So I've contracted it twice and neither time have I known that I had it. I wouldn't have known. I think the first time um, I was hanging out with some coworkers and they were eating African food. And I said, Hey, I didn't tell me we were eating. And they, they were like, you didn't smell the curry. And I, I was like, no, I did. Maybe it's my sinus because I do have sinus issues. Mm-hmm. So maybe like a couple of weeks into that assignment, I realized that I had used all of um, the soap I had in my hotel and it was zest for some reason. I don't know why it's zest. It's not like it cleans anything, but it smells really strong. <laughs> right, exactly. You, know, you can smell it no matter is, what. Zest is strong as hell. And I realized like, damn, I have not smelled this zest since I've had it and the bar is almost gone. So um, I went and got a test and I had had some antibodies, but they were faint at that time. But mind you, I beefed up on all my vitamins. I beefed up everything we were giving to COVID patients. I made sure I was taking those dosages. I made sure my family knew. You know, I tried to spread the word on what what we need to boost our immune systems to fight. So, so what what are what what are those things you were taking? Just so the listeners know what's up. Um, typically, typically where I've seen them survive, they give vitamin D, vitamin C, obviously, zinc. Um, um, an a, a, like a Pepsi, um, some of those you can't get over the counter. That's a PPI protein pump inhibitor, and um, just other things to treat, like to help your body survive. Mm-hmm. They do give a drug. Um, it's called Remdesivir. We used to give it as a cancer drug uh, years ago. Well, I've given it before. I've given it before for like a chemo, but it's a hazard. But I think they've re- maybe redone it now or something. I don't know because it's, it's not handled the same. So maybe they reconstituted it, but I know they use it for the Ebola outbreak, which is why right. I think they use it for COVID. COVID um, yeah. We give that, it's called remdesivir as one of the treatments. But the facilities that I work where I've seen patients like come out of the ICU, they continue their vitamin therapy. You know, recently mm-hmm. I've added elderberry. Some people don't do the, the um, herbals, I believe in them. I'm more of a homeopath. I'm a nurse by career, but I believe in natural things by nature because Absolutely. before we had all this other stuff, that stuff worked. Elderberry fights any viruses. It helps your body be able to fight them off. So, um, but definitely that vitamin C, that vitamin D, that zinc. It's it's the the norm. I mean, we were hanging in bags, giving them through the IV. So, people can, can fight it off. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so y'all take y'all take note of that. In that, I'm just gonna repeat this: is vitamin D, vitamin C, zinc, and elderberry. Yeah. You can get all of those things over the counter, and uh, it'll it'll give your immune system a little boost to help fight off, you know, to help fight off COVID. Because all of us not immune like Donald Trump. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and the drug that he got, the the, the right. drug that was trials that he got, yeah. Exactly. We, we don't okay, have people, if y'all believe that man had a virus for three days, that is the hip. <laughs> you would literally have to be the healthiest human because it takes a virus about two or three days just to incubate. So <laughs> if you had a virus for a couple of days and you got over in two or three days, you we need your blood. We need your plasma. Oh, yeah. And they give the plasma. They call it convalescent plasma yeah, from people absolutely. who've had COVID. They give them that plasma with the antibodies in it. Now, what are you saying to people? Because obviously it sounds like you believe COVID is real. Somebody listening to this right now and saying everything you're saying is some bullshit and you are part of the establishment to 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 convince the the the, the masses to take the vaccine and all these other pills and medicines you're talking about. COVID is not real. It's made up by the Democrats. Right. And you're probably going to die. Or your mom. <laughs> or your dad. Wow. Fight that you love. I mean, I've, I've been asked that question so many times. Like, my ex-husband gives that narrative to my children. You know, it's not real. He's one of those conspiracy people. And, I mean, it's real cute. I think that it's 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 got to be the most I – I would, I would call it ignorant, but I, I can't say it because it's too much – it's too much out there for you to even be ignorant about it. Like I said, COVID-19, COVID-19 is what it's mutated to this year you can look up coronavirus just like when the lysol went crazy when people started buying it 
they were they went crazy because on the bottom it tells you all the things that it kills, and coronavirus is one of them. But it wow. kills one of the older strands, not the one that's that's up today. And you know, I'm not pushing the vaccine. I I personally, this is not my medical advice, but I personally would would not rec- you know, I I wouldn't jump up to take it. But in that same breath, people, guess who's gonna have to take it? My black ass. I won't get an option. I'm a healthcare worker. I don't get the option to not take vaccines. Just about every facility in the country requires most vaccines for us to work. The flu, we have to get it. I mean, it's, when I tell you, you go through hell and high water to tell these people you don't want it, you used to could say, well, I'm allergic to this, that, and the other. No, nowadays, it's a committee that meets. If you say you can't take a vaccine, <laughs> and this is the flu, y'all. This is the flu vaccine. If you say you can't take a vaccine, you got to provide them all type, all type of paperwork. You got to meet with a board. You know, you will be on suspension. Like, we don't get the option. So for me to continue to work, I'm pretty sure I will have to get the vaccine. So I'm just hoping and praying that, I don't know, I, I hope that maybe I'm on break by the time it's required. And I'm, I'm not working those few months. But um, my whole take on that is, you know, vaccines take time for a reason. Um, a vaccine is a weakened form of a disease. You know, um, with the flu vaccine, you get you get the strand of the year before because viruses mutate. So you don't get whenever you get the flu shot, you don't get the flu that's going around this year. There's no way they can make that. It takes it takes that whole year. You know, they find out which when they while they're doing the research, the CDC, I think he has it up. Actually, they figure out, you know, what strand is most prevalent that year. Typically, we test for strand A and B. Um, and whichever one is most prevalent, they that's so that'll be the next year's vaccine. You know, it's typically maybe like one, whichever ones are trending the most. Like whenever the years go, as you go to the doctor and people get the flu, they keep up with their blood work, they keep up with that, all that information. And that's how they do the next year's flu shot. So that hadn't changed. As far as I know in life, the vaccine process hadn't changed. Um, it's just a lot to do in, in a small amount of time. Um, not saying that I don't think that they will have one. I, I figured out from day one, I mean, they were going to probably come up with a vaccine. I just feel like it needs to be time because like I said, COVID has affected people differently throughout just this year. You know, in New York, they were able to find out different things and, and were able to fight it better in other places because of New York. Well, in the the next few states where it has, it has kind of went rampant, it's the same situation. We're learning more things. When I first started, the face shield wasn't required. Till we were intubating a patient, patient coughing, hacking everywhere, a nurse got COVID, got sick. Um, hey, now we got to wear face shields, you know? So it's kind of a process. You know, you, you live, you learn. There are casualties. People die. People get sick. But we learn from them. That's really the nature of medicine, you know? Nothing is just, hey, here, here's a cure. It's going to work. No, it doesn't, it doesn't hit you the same way it's going to affect me. I mean, you do not have the same genetic makeup. We do not have the same background. I mean, it's, there it boils down to your ethnicity, you know? Certain cultures and races, just depending on what you eat and what's in your gene pool and how your body is made, certain things will affect you different, you know? So Absolutely. I just kind of feel like, you got to be sensible. Um, if you're required, some people are going to be required to take the vaccine, like us healthcare workers. Some people are not.
I was going to say it's funny because I, I feel like I'm also going to be required, but not until the summer when I feel like by the summer, things are going to be normal, quote unquote normal. And I'm a musician and I got to get on the airplane, this and that. And I'm sure it's going to be 100% required. All right. If you want to travel, you got to take the vaccine. Legalities, you know, everything is a business nowadays. So, you know, it, I don't want you to sue me. That's the whole reason why, if you want to be honest, I, I think that's the whole reason why there's such restrictions on having people in the hospital, having visitors, are the legalities of it, you know? Right. Because I I know for a fact there have been people that came in without it, got it there, and didn't make it out or either got worse. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But that is mm-hmm. the nature of it. You know, um, I've worked peds and I am one of those who I don't run my children to the ER every time something's wrong with them because you can take a healthy baby to a pediatric ER and bring home a sick one. You know, it's, it's, it's like, well, you know, maybe my baby had a cough or something going on and I wasn't sure, but I took them to the ER with 15 other sick babies and now we just playing the disease game we just throwing it all in one pot let's breathe each other air and cough on each other you know so unless it's something dire for me i don't i don't take them to to get you know to go and be in that environment it's kind of the same thing with the hospitals that's how they feel about the situation right now you know they don't know who's in there positive we have the checks we're checking temperatures you know they're doing everywhere you go now you can't go in the hospital without getting your temperature checked and your sanitizer and all that's great but you have people who don't have symptoms, who are Absolutely. carriers. So you, you still run the risk of giving it to people. So I think a lot of times they treat they treat they treat things like a business. You know, I don't wanna I don't want that to be a era a, a area to where it can come back and be retaliation on a business or an establishment. Because of course you can imagine the <laughs> the backlash of I got COVID from the plane ride. I got COVID from this jazz festival I went to. You know what I'm saying? Like you, yeah, you could imagine yeah. the backlash with that. Mm-hmm. Now, how long do you think this thing gonna last? Like when when is the end of COVID nineteen? I I don't feel like it will be anytime soon. Hmm. I feel like and I trust me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you don't trust yourself, do you? I trust me a lot, bro. Okay, okay. No, because I was I argued with all my coworkers. They were like, you know, when I left one of my other assignments, they were like, Don't leave us, you know, stay. And I'm like, y'all, this will still be going on. This was in the summer. I was like, flu season's gonna hit. It's only gonna get worse. People are ignorant. This will still be going on. It's cool, I'll be back. And they were like, No, and here it is, worse, blah, blah, blah. Well, I just feel like my honest opinion is with the nature with the nature of what's going on in the world, in the government, the the distrust, you know, some people have the animosity, all the social change we're going through. It's just really not a good time for a viral outbreak. But hey, <laughs> right. it's here. So I kind of feel like it's it's gonna be a while. I, I give it another another couple of years. I say a wow. two-year wow. max until it becomes like every other thing, like the flu, you know, and kind of just, hey, we got something for it. Do this, do that. It's all good, you know. Hmm. Personally, I would love for it to be over next month. I mean, like I said, nobody hates masks more than me. Nobody in America <laughs> because I barely can breathe on a regular day. So. Right. You know, I I wish it would be, but I just I just can't see it. I mean, I've been over several states, hell, this week, and I've noticed how you know I can go in some places where the signs are huge. It says mask required, no service. You know, they're right by the no shoes, no cert, no cert. You know, no service, right. no mask. And it might be eight people in the store, and six might have on a mask, two may not. So I mean, yeah, you know. Right. You can't control every individual human. And again, everybody's not going to show symptoms. I didn't. I never spiked a fever. Um, you know, I have a cough from my allergies a lot of times. I don't even think during when I had it, I was even coughing. I noticed <clears throat> maybe afterwards some shortness of breath, but that would be, I mean, I, I could have kind of put that to the fact that I'm wearing a mask. 
for a long time. You know, a lot of us wearing these masks, we get headaches because of breathing in the, our own air, you know. We're not getting a lot of fresh air for hours and hours and hours. So you get these headaches, you get this kind of little shortness of breath. But, you know, that's kind of the norm we've gotten accustomed to. But I, I just can't see it being completely eradicated with with people having their own mind and being so <coughs> socially charged right now. <coughs> Want to rebel just because, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's 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 the thing that is the biggest disappointment for me is that in this time we couldn't as Americans find a way to defeat this thing or at least put a lid on it so that so many people wouldn't have to die cuz just I right. I know so many people, friends, family members like you know, and everything in between who who have either had it and or died. And I'm tired. Yeah. I'm tired of it, man. It's it's taxing. And that's one. It's not even been a year. Do you know that, D? It's not even yeah. been a year. It's been eight, nine months. Come on. It hasn't even made the full 12, 12 months. Like I, I know it's it's hurtful to me. I mean, it's it's oh god. Like and then kind of being different places. You know, I I don't know if you saw the viral video where the nurse was crying because um, you know, she was saying how they weren't doing this and doing that. And, you know, the doctors didn't go in the room. And I've been to places like that. And, you know, man, it's, it's, it's painful. I can remember texting my significant other one night. He was just checking on me. And I said, you know, I feel like I don't feel like I'm doing anything anymore. You know, um, right before I decided to go do the COVID stuff, like I told you, I was doing working with um, chemo and stuff. And that was probably one of my lowest points in nursing because, I had never went through that process. I've taken care of patients that were cancer patients or that had been through it or were getting ready to go, you know, get it, but never had done the whole process, you know? Yeah. And yeah. it was so disheartening because I felt like, I felt like I was the one making them sick, you know, because I'm hanging these drugs and I'm giving you this stuff and yeah, you're going to make it, but a lot of them didn't. It was kind of that, I felt that feeling again, but I felt it times. I mean, it was just heavy. It's been heavy on me here lately because I have been to some facilities where they're just, they're so overran there that I, I, I felt like I was just babysitting dead bodies. And as a wow. nurse wow. who cares about, like, I treat every patient like it could be my mom, my aunt, my friend, my cousin, each and every one of them to me. That's, when I go in the door, that's how I treat them because I, I, I know I have family and that could easily be my family. So it, it had gotten to the point where that's how I felt, where I felt like that night he asked me that. I think that's where I said him exactly. I said, I feel like I'm babysitting dead bodies. And he said, well, you might need to take a break. I said, maybe I do. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's not necessarily a lack of people caring. A lot of the physicians, didn't go in the room. I don't know. A lot of times it becomes it becomes a sense of self preservation, or you know, we do have to kind of watch out for ourselves as well. <clears throat> you have a lot going on in those patients' rooms, and, and like I told you, we got to dress up and suit out, and yeah, we have a lot of stuff on, but sometimes we got to get stuff to take in. You know, it's just a few minutes makes a huge difference. So you know, I got to call and talk to family. We have to talk to them, and that's a lot when you walk in the door and people are coding and people are not doing well. And I know people feel like you know you're slighting them, and you're not you're not being as you know having as much communication as you should. But you are overwhelmed emotionally, mm -hmm. physically. Um, we flip the patients, we move them because you have to you have to lay you have to move them around to be able to. One of the treatments is we we lay them on their stomachs. Um, it helps with the breathing. Mm -hmm. I mean, so, you know, we, we're doing a lot of physical things. And every time we're in a room, anything could happen. You know, I think the first time I caught it, I was treating a psych patient who wasn't on his psych meds. He was there for COVID. And I had almost stuff on my face, getting ready to do an IV. And he pulled my mask down and said, what are you doing? And I mean, he wasn't oh. aggressive or anything or trying to hurt me. But at that moment, I couldn't, I had to, complete what I was doing. I, I would have had blood everywhere. And I'm right. like, hmm, blood? I don't know what he has. Or right. COVID. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to make the decision. Like, uh, 
let's see mm-hmm. which one I want. You know, do I want his blood in my face, eyes and mouth? Or do I, uh, you know, he started coughing. And I just told him, hey, turn your head for me. Finish what I need to do. And I walked out of that room knowing, God damn, I probably have COVID, wow. you know? Wow. But, wow. you know, that, that's just one day. You know, that's one day you can, and that was somebody who wasn't mentally there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> not trying mm-hmm. to be, not trying to be hurtful to me, but, you know, being a patient. So you have those patients that are not, that are sick and, and are not there and doing, you know, being aggressive and you have to do things and you put yourself at risk every time. So mm-hmm. it, it does become a strain. It does get to be a lot, but. I mean, what else can you do? You know, you got to take care of them. You want them to get better. You want these people to come around. But it is places like that where that nurse says, I've been to some where it's it's just, you want to cry. You want to cry. You want to, you want to cuss. You want to be angry. But I don't, I don't think a lot of it is malicious intent. You know, I think it's more self-preservation because I've watched doctors' wives die. I've had doctors from those facilities as my patients that died Wow! because they contracted it, you know, in the beginning when these spikes first happened, they, you know, they were trying to run in there and be a good doctor mm-hmm. and maybe didn't have the best help themselves and die. Like I, I know I've taken care of them Well, you know, it was doctors that were working at those facilities that died. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I just kind of feel like you have to, you kind of have to pick your battle on that situation as to what, what, how you're going to feel about it and how you, when you're thinking about the bigger picture of it is sad, they, they are overran a lot of places. A lot of places don't have everything they need <clears throat> and it is sad, but I hate, I hate to see that a lot of those viral videos because as a nurse, you know, we tell a little bit here and a little bit there, but nobody really right. goes in depth, but right. we, we we put on display this emotional burst and I understand them. Everyone I've watched, I, I understand the emotion. I've been there, but a lot of times we can't live in emotion. You know, you can't live in that emotion and go and put that for the whole world. You know, right. that's a right. lot. <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah, that, 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 that was going to be one of my questions too. It's kind of like the story you just, you just told me is an untold story. You don't see it on the news. The president don't talk about it. You know, they just say, yeah, the nurses have everything they need. We have a PPE stockpile and everybody's fine. But that doesn't seem to be the truth. Oh, no, that's this. I mean, it just would be no way. And I understand people who are not healthcare related don't understand. I understood that it was going to be a problem when I listened to Trump make the statement of, well, we have ventilators and we're giving them ventilators and we're, we're sending in masks to this facility and we're going through the emergency pile and we're doing this. And that, that sounded great. I'm sure to somebody who does, because the first thing in my head was, well, how much? Because I don't, I don't, I wouldn't have thought that there was enough PPE stockpile in this country to handle a pandemic. And let's look up the word, you know, not like an outbreak, but a pandemic. Logically, I wouldn't have thought that that would exist myself. I, I I was not shocked because, like I said, you're not healthcare. I guess you're not thinking about it from those terms. But we don't. Honestly, you're not supposed to rewear it. You wear it at one time. So imagine if I go in your room seven times that night. Um, um. Usually, when you learn how to put this stuff on, you take it on in your trash it. You know, you take it on, take it off. We go through. We have to get certified and redo it. And it's one of our checkoffs that everywhere you go, you have to redo it. Like every, you have to show somebody that, hey, I still know how to do this and do that. It's like any other competency as a healthcare professor. It's one of our competencies. Putting on and taking off. It's called donning and doffing PPE. You have to be checked off on that properly. It's one of your normal competencies as a nurse, as a doctor, as anybody who deals with it. So, in my mind, when this hit so hard, I'm like, there's no way, there's no way anybody would have enough because if I'm as one person and if I do this the way I've been taught, then I'm supposed to trash this. We keep them, Darius. We're keeping them. I mean, it's to the point where we're there. Yeah, they're sending them down to the autoclave for that week, 
But but that whole time that we're rewearing it over and over. So yeah, they they're making us rewear things and redo redo things, reuse stuff. We're able to keep somebody else safe, but we're putting ourselves at risk. Because mm-hmm. I mean, I may see fifteen patients that week. Wow! So you know, you're gonna so wear the same thing all week. There are some facilities where you keep them all week. Wow, that's incredible. You that's crazy. Them, they have to autoclave them, which means they put them in the heat, you know, a heat blast to kill anything, and then you just redo it. I mean, even the suits. A lot of places they they'll ask you to keep. Some places have, some places do have a ton of them. I've been to some places where I was very pleased with their level of um, N95. Some places have some that are not true N95s. You know, they're, this is just what they have. And they're like, hey, the CDC says. <laughs> but like I told you earlier, when this first hit, nobody noticed it, but those nurses, how they changed. They started flipping a lot of things. Like, man, it was crazy. At one point, it was like weekly. They would update. Well, this is acceptable. When prior to none of that, none of those things were acceptable, you know. When when you're under an, you learn different precautions when you're a healthcare professional. Every precaution requires a different set of PPE. Um, the N95s are ideal because they are what you wear for anything that's airborne or a precipitate past infection, which means it travels in the respiratory fluid. A cough, a sneeze, somebody licking you, you know, stuff like that. That's and that seals off the outside air. So if I'm in there taking care of you and you are coughing directly in my face, it's not getting in my nose and mouth. The, the goggles is so that it didn't get in my eyes because it, it, it can be everywhere around me. It can't get, it can't hurt me until I put it in myself. I have to, I have to be the, the middle man in that situation. You have to, you got to put it in you, you know, or you got, it's got to get in you some kind of way. So the N95 is the ideal thing because it seals off that outside air. But also, you know, a cloth mask, which is what most people wear, a cloth or the surgical mask, a little surgical mask, that's just kind of help keeping. It's kind of like, you know, I'm going to go outside and play with rocks. Now, I'm probably going to fall. So I'm going to put on some knee pads. Now, if you fall not on your knees, you're still going to get cut, right? But at least my knees will be protected. My knees are kind of important. You know, I, they hurt the most. I'm going to put on knee pads. So the surgical, I guess, will compare to that. You know, I'm, I'm wearing my surgical mask. It's going to protect my nose and mouth. But still, if somebody who is COVID positive coughs on you and it gets in your eyes, you're going to get it. Right. If, if they're close enough to you to where their precipitate gets in your eyes and face, you can get it. Or if they cough on something, you touch it. You stick your hands in your face, your mouth. Now you have it, you know. Now let me so let me ask you this, because I'm wearing right right now. I have a box of N95s, and I also wear a P100, uh, and I wear my glasses. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to like, you know, I wear, I wear glasses anyway, but I just make sure <laughs> I don't forget them. And is that keeping me safe? Is that? enough i feel like that's the, the most we can do that's what i think but i don't know what i mean yeah that else. is the most you can do but you like you also could be fine with just the surgical mask and your glasses and some sanitizer mm-hmm. i mean you know saying give the, the six feet rules because it, it can't travel unless you have a hellacious cough with some with some power it's the spit and the cough mm-hmm. you know the the particles in it they can't travel that far, you know, they need that space. You you have to be close enough for somebody to get it on you. Right. You know, somebody's coughing. Obviously, nowadays you can't cough and people would like they swear you got the plague. So nobody's <laughs> gonna sit in your face. I love it. I love. I love to do a little, <laughs> and it clear an aisle. I can get everything I need. <laughs> but um, you know, I think like with the cloth mask. I mean, that's a lot, guys. Like cloth is thick. A surgical mask, the, the fibers are different. Even with N95, you know, they they have a, the cloth is different to where you can breathe and stuff in it. But I mean, I get a headache. I wear them for long hours, true enough. But they do give you a headache because you're just not getting a lot of fresh oxygen. And even with the cloth, like that's a lot to, to block off. So I think you're fine with a mask and sanitizer. Like I push sanitizer. To me, 
to me, that is super effective because unless somebody is coughing directly in your face, even if you didn't have a mask on or your glasses, unless they are directly in your face coughing, if you touch something or you do something before, just before you touch yourself mm-hmm. or put your hands in your face, eyes, nose, mouth, sanitize. Mm-hmm. That is like the simplest, easiest, keep you some in your pocket, sanitize. Yeah. The surgical masks are fine. You know, if you see somebody actively coughing, try to get your distance back. But that sanitizer is, the, to me, the most effective way because let's say they cough and you got your mask on and your glasses on you and your P100, you got all your shit on and everything's great. Oh, I'm sorry, can I curse? Yeah, you curse. <laughs> okay, you got all your stuff on and, and everything's great and they coughing and you're like, man, <laughs> I am protected. And you get in your car and you take it all off because you're not going to be a douchebag and ride around with it in your car because who's in there coughing on you? America, please stop riding around with your <laughs> PPE in I'm your car. Guilty. Nobody's in there. I'm, I'm guilty. I do it. <laughs> Breathe. Take a breath. Get you some fresh air in it. So you get in your car and you take all that shit off and you touch it all and they've already coughed and got all on it. Their their precipitant got all on your mask and your P100 and your glasses and you take it off to clean them. And then you sit there and you, have, you got your bag of chips and you're reaching them chips and you eat them. And now you got the COVID. <laughs> Wow. You wore everything you needed to, but when you took that mask off and you touched the outside of it, you you touched the wet, the the precipitate. You touched the infection, and then you put it in your mouth. Yeah, you know it'll be a better example. Your phone. What? The phone, because I I clean my phone religiously now, but I don't think a lot of people do. Your phone, yeah. Like if you pull your phone, phone out. In public, when you get home, you need to clean that mug. I'm not a I'm not a healthcare professional. Just yeah, you know, that's a great idea. When this first started, they they used to we used to put our phones in um the laboratory bags, they're clear bags, so that we could be able to have our phones on the unit. We put them in the little clear bags because you know you're not touching. Because another thing we hate to see America is people walking around with gloves. If you're gonna wear the glove everywhere, you might as well have your naked skin because you're not. (laughs) That's not how that works. <laughs> Eating the chips with the damn gloves are not on. Magical. <laughs> They're not magical. <laughs> we we take them off in between every touch, every usage. Nowadays with COVID, we we double glove, which is usually a no no. But we double glove so that you can kind of cut back on having to take them off. You you go in there and touch everything, touch certain stuff, then you take off your first pair, touch everything else. I dang there's quadruple glove because I take that off and then do more things, wash my hands. Put another pair of gloves. But yeah, I, it's one of my pet peeves is to see people walking around with gloves. I'm like, not only are you spreading COVID, you are probably spreading so much other crap. Like, it's insane. You might as well have your, I mean, you might as well just lick them when you're done because you've touched everything with the gloves. So what are you protecting? You didn't touch the whole world and you get in your car and still touch your car, your door. When do you take them off? When I come to the oh, drive-thru, yeah. I don't even want you to touch my car if you've had those gloves on this whole day. <laughs> touch everybody's car. Everybody. Everybody. Listen, and then touch mine. And give it back new, to they, they, they new to it out here, man. Like, I was like, yo, these glove thing from the beginning, yeah, this don't make sense. Like, I want to no. ask, ask you a few, just a few more questions, but are, are you getting paid enough to deal with this shit? Because it sounds like it's affecting you emotionally, psychologically, and physically. Um, I mean, you know, I I opted to go with agencies, which right now, yeah, they're paying us insane amounts of money. Um, I say insane. It is a lot. It's good money. But let me say this. I wonder what 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 is that going to do when this ends? Because. They nobody, no stimulus package, no government plan has put in anything to place for hazard pay for healthcare workers, right? No, it's not went through anywhere. It's not a thing. It's been talked about, but it's not a thing. So I wonder, you know, what is going to be the repercussions of that? Because now it makes you feel more valuable, which I kind of feel like. I was a lot more valuable to begin with, but now you're you're a lot more valuable. You know, you know how the world works. 
supply and demand. So, of course, they need us more, so they're paying us more. But what happens when when this dies down and you have to go to the regular pay? And let's not, let me just reiterate, this has to be a choice for the nurse to go and work somewhere that's paying that. Because my home hospital is not paying that. And and if you're staff, I wasn't, I wasn't full-time staff. I, I've worked PRN for years as, as needed, so I kind of do my own schedule. But they, I know people who this is their full-time job. This is all that they're going to make. They've not gotten anything extra, and they've not been required to do anything less than I have. So for me personally, yeah, I've been compensated well, but it was my choice. Mind you, in this choice that I made, I have to leave my family. I have to go wherever they send me. I have to walk into any facility and be ready to work within a day. I've walked in with no no anything, and here's your patient. I don't know the system. I had to figure it out. <laughs> I mean, wow. hey, I'm gonna keep them alive. So it's 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 decent. It's it's decent compensation. It is nice, but but I'm getting that because I'm doing a lot for it. You know, that's not the yeah. norm. You don't normally go into a situation where you're not trained on the computer system. You're not trained on, you know, how they operate. Us nurses who are going to fight just COVID, as COVID nurses right now, most of the times we're thrown wherever. You know, depending on who you're with, you know, you're you're put in the worst situations. That's why they're paying you this. So it's kind of a catch twenty two to that, you know. I'm I'm making more money, but I'm put in the worst strain, you know? Right. But they're also a nurse. I also go work alongside a nurse who's probably staff at that hospital, who's not getting that pay, who's doing the same things that I'm doing. Hmm. And it wow. that's a lot. I, I can't even feel completely about a way about me because I think about them because I've been a staff nurse, you know, I have coworkers and friends who are still staff nurses and we got to go to work. You know, a lot of them couldn't just say, I'm not going to do it. You know, that's your job and you have to go to work and take care of these patients because COVID is not the only thing going on in the world right now. People are still getting sick. People are still having babies. You still need every other nurse and doctor. So, I mean, you know, it, it takes away, it doesn't mean you're less important or somebody else is more, but it, it really does shine a light on what's requ- what's required of us and and what we have to settle for in return, you know, because there are a lot of nurses out there. Kudos, my heart goes out to them. I've worked beside some really good nurses who aren't getting the compensation I'm getting and are having to put up with the same stuff the same strain. A lot of times they don't work as much as we do. If they bring us in through agency, we work longer. We work sometimes 20 something days in a row. I mean, we work because their staff is usually sick. Half the staff is sick. They're fatigued. So they bring in the agency nurses, you know, and that's what we're there for. So we know our roles, but still, you know, your heart goes out to somebody who's had to do that. Be sick. Come back to work. A lot of places, that's that's the call. You get sick, you get your 14 days, they don't care, and you got to come back. A lot, I mean, a lot of people don't, don't understand the, the workings of that. Once you get COVID, there's a possibility that you can, you can pop positive for up to 30 days. Doesn't mean you're actively spreading it, but a lot of times it'll hang around in your system. Like a lot of things will, you know, if you have them and you keep getting the test, it's going to say that you had it. You know, you had it or you had it at some point, so you may still show up as positive. But if you're not actively having symptoms of a fever or being able to actively spread it, a lot of places it's like, all right, you've had your days. We need you back. I mean, I've been to them. I mean, I've, I've come beside them where they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm back because I was off for my 14 days because I got COVID. And they are tired. They're wearing PPE and they could barely catch a breath. And they've only, you know, had a couple of two weeks to have COVID and get over it. Sometimes it takes months. You know, sometimes it takes a while, depending on how hard it hits you. So for some, it, it's it's a decent monetary compensation, but not for enough. Not enough for me to feel like, oh, yeah, it's worth it. No, I don't feel like it's fair, even though I'm one of the ones who's getting compensated, but that's my choice. I'm also putting myself at a higher risk. But I don't think that, that you know, denotes any of the care or any other nurse that I've worked with that's not getting it. Uh, it makes me feel bad because it's like they're doing the same thing. 
they're having to do the same thing, you know. And there's no, they're not talking about anything for us nurses, like any hazard pay. Our doctors, our man, freaking the environmental services, like they need raises because we can't do anything. Like these rooms have to be. It's a whole. This whole world has been flipped. The protocol for cleaning the rooms has changed drastically for them. And I have seen some some housekeepers going there and I'm talking about gung-ho Darian like they ha- you have to clean the walls you gotta spray the walls down wow so they are going above and beyond you know like they have to and they gotta go to work you know so most people are thankful to still be working right now absolutely I'm, I'm out of work so yeah most people <laughs> yeah you know you are just I mean I think about that often like I'm thankful I have a job thankful I'm still able to take care of my family because I mean I'm having to help family who who couldn't work you know because they just are laid off or you know things that happen but it is it's decent it can be but it's a lot it's a lot that goes into it yeah I want to stop right there man this this conversation is I feel like we could go on for days because this this (laughs) subject is so big you know it's huge and uh, hopefully people who are listening to this have a more realistic view of what's actually happening in some hospitals around the world. You, you can only talk about your own experience. And uh, yeah, we welcome some comments and uh, see, yes. uh, you know, see what y'all think. Wear your mask. Wear your mask. Get yourself healthy. Drink water. And let's not be selfish. I think that's the biggest yeah. thing I want people to take away. Like, let's not be selfish. Like, you're tired and there's somebody that's way more tired than you are. So. Absolutely. Let's not be selfish, people. I get pissy every time I get out of the car and feel like Batman. Crap my mask, but I put it on. <laughs> After I've worn it for 15 hours, I wear it for however many more minutes to go do something trivial, like get milk, you know? So, right. hey, let's just not be selfish. Lynn, thanks for coming on Late Set and letting the people know what's really up. We'll catch y'all next time. Later. No problem. Thanks for having me.